listening to Real Conversations and the brightest marketing minds with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. This is Marketing, marketing Unscripted. Unscripted. We are back with Adam Raymond, Director of Marketing for the Discovery Place. Adam, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So, Adam, let's talk about you a little bit. Tell me about your background in marketing, how you got started, and what you're currently doing. Yeah, I got started in the telecommunications business, and it was really just a friend of the family that said, hey, I think this is a job you would really enjoy and be good at. And I started off uh, encoding analog tapes into the system when we used to build out big beta tapes to run commercials on uh, cable television. So it was uh, an interesting time in the media business. Wow. And then that's led you, what led you to Discovery Place? Really just a different set of positions through sales, through small advertising agencies. At one point I was doing consulting work on my own. And then this position showed up on LinkedIn and I thought, what are the odds, right? That was showing, you know, that little number underneath the position is showing like 450 applicants. I'm thinking, what, what are my chances? But I put in an application and about two months later, I got a phone call and the rest is history. So I've been there coming up to five years now and absolutely love it. So talk about your department. I mean, how many do you have under you? What areas of marketing do you guys really drill down on? Where are you getting results? It's really changed even in just the five years I've been there. I'm sure a lot of the other guests you've had on that I've heard, they're experiencing the same thing. You know, when I started five years ago, I had a heavy background in traditional media, right? Print, out of house, uh, radio, television, and then digital was becoming the big thing five years ago. We were just getting into social media advertising, digital advertising, Google was becoming very important. And now what we're finding is that we have to evolve. Our department is seven people, including one in-house graphic designer. So it's really six of us that are handling the day-to-day marketing activities. And we've found, I've recently sat down with uh, my chief marketing officer because we've had two positions that we are filling and we've had to have that conversation of, should this be the same type of position? Should the job description, we basically threw it out the window and started from scratch because the world we live in in marketing has changed so dramatically. I think the biggest obstacle we can run into is getting comfortable, is just putting your head down, doing the work because there is so much work day to day that you forget to change, to take those risks. So we've been really looking at how are our positions changing and what do we need to succeed in the next five years? So you're, you're really marketing to your, the target area. Uh, probably a lot of families come to Discovery yes. Place, a lot of kids. Yes. I've been there a number of times. It's a cool place and there's always something changing there. Um, it, it's are you competing with a lot of the other uh, events because you're in a big town and there's a lot of things going on. So you're, you're competing for attention. Uh, How do you know, tell me a little bit about that and in what you all use to kind of bring people in. Sure. It's a great question. It's affected the way we market ourselves. If you go back to 
like I said, five years ago when I started, it was very much about putting a picture of a kid on a bed of nails, uh, you know, somebody holding an iguana, you know, what the experience would be on a micro level. But we realize we're competing really with everything else you can do with a child or with a date or as an adult. And in Charlotte, that's becoming a very, uh, we'll say crowded market, but competitive. And that in some ways has helped push us to say, well, who is our target market? Who are we really talking to? And what are they interested in? So what we've been shifting our messaging to especially is focusing on the moms, right? They're the ones that are deciding more often than not, what is the family doing on the weekend? And we have to make sure we're staying relevant to them and saying, well, what's important to them? They want to have fun, right? So they have monkey Joes, they have uh, a, a park to go out to just to let the kids burn off energy. So what is our unique position, right? Our unique value proposition. And for us, it's become, well, you can have fun and learn at the same time, which we know in 2018, a lot of parents are concerned about is what is my kid going to grow up to be in 20 years from now with the way technology is moving. So we position ourselves as a place that you can bring your child, you can feel good about the fun they're having, they're learning, you're learning, and it could inspire them to want to take up a career in the future that's technology-based, medical-based, um, just to help them find what their passion is. I love the fact that you said make it fun and educate because that's the model we use in, in all our business videos. You have to, if you're not entertaining or educating mm -hmm. them at the same time and, and offering value for the, for that attention that you're grabbing for right. 10, 30, 60, you know, 180 seconds, you, you, you lost before you got started. So in getting someone's attention, obviously you're in, in our studio today and we do a mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of professional video. How much video are you guys using? Uh, where are you using it and what's working the best? Sure. It's changed again. Um, we used to stick with very high level production quality, uh, you know, very intricate shoot setups, staged interactions, tons of lighting. And we still do those types of video shoots, especially if it's something for a, a creative organization that we want to put out a very high quality piece. But what we found is when our social media manager takes her cell phone out onto the floor and captures a moment and posts it on social media. Those are the times that we really connect with our audience. It doesn't have to be very high quality uh, setups. It's usually one good microphone and a, and a phone. And what we're finding is people want to connect with that experience. So if it looks like a video that they would shoot of their family enjoying the experience, they instantly connect with it. If it's a family that are uh, trained actors and the lighting is perfect and the <laughs> angles are perfect, they don't quite connect the same way. Where's the pain, though, um, when it comes to, let's just talk on the professional side, because I totally mm -hmm. get what you're saying, and I think that's a, a really important point for business owners out there to learn what you're saying is that you have to do both. You have to have a professional look for a certain audience, and basically that needs to sit, sit on your site or sit on your platform. But at the same time, you have to continue to engage with relevant quick footage that's, mm -hmm. you know, we call it amateur, but it's, it's real-time social 
like you said, it's that's the whole reason it's social video or social media because you have to be social with it. Right. Um, but talk about the pain. Like if you are doing a professional shoot and like you said, stage and it's actors, you know, where are you using it and, you know, where is it not working for you? Because you, sure. like you said, it maybe isn't connecting with the audience. So is it maybe the... Is it the, the quality of the shoot you feel is not connecting or is it maybe the, the specific content? I think it's in context is really what it comes down to. It, for example, we did a what I would call a high quality shoot for summer camps at our Discovery Place Kids location a few years ago. And we intended that to run on broadcast TV and cable networks. And in context, they're looking at ads like Lexus and you know, Monkey Joe's and all of these places where they are very high level production value pieces. So if you come in with something that looks very organic, it could be a real uh, missed opportunity, right? It, it stands out as awkward. Where in social, which is where most people are spending their time now consuming video, now having something that's a high quality production value stands out as different or awkward, where something that feels, oh, this looks similar to the video I'm about to watch because it's a guy playing Minecraft walking you through it. Um, now it feels much more relevant to what they're experiencing, especially if we can put forth a video that says, hey, you can come learn how to code a Minecraft game before you go watch that video. That's what we're really trying to move towards is putting content out there and not just about advertising what we're doing. That's the other big shift that we're experiencing is to get out of that mindset of being a constant salesperson and coming from the sales world. That was, that was difficult for me to do is to get away from, Oh, it's always about what exhibits coming up and what summer camp you can buy. It's so much more about, well, what can you learn today? And we just shot a video about how to cut an onion without crying. We're not selling you anything. We're not, pushing you to come in this weekend. It's simply, here's how science actually works in your life on a daily basis. It's interesting. That's exactly. what it is. It's interesting. It's engaging. And you're, you're communicating with them on a, a medium and where they expect the content to be a certain way and to look a certain way and to feel a certain way. And again, it goes back to the subconscious. You know, what am I expecting? And most mm -hmm. people are very media savvy. They don't, they don't know they're media savvy, but right. they know... They've, we are inundated in video and screens today. So we've almost become experts and we, and we can detect if something is pro professionally produced or if it's real. And not that, you know, because I think if it's professionally produced, then you're putting yourself in this, you, you, it, it, you're putting yourself into a world where you can imagine yourself being there somewhat. Right with the, the, the uh, homegrown or you're shooting it on an iPhone, uh, it's almost like it's, um, I'm connecting with you, I'm sharing this with you, just like a friend would share uh, a whole movie. Or look at little Joey kick the soccer ball. Yeah, I would say, but there's also a great time and place for a well-produced video. If you look at uh, the Charlotte Ballet, does a phenomenal job of this. And... They produced a, a video for social, but was a very high production value piece. And it's gorgeous. It's what we call thumb stopping, where the, the, you know, the images are gorgeous. The lighting is perfect. Um, and it makes you stop and appreciate what they do. So in the right context, having a video that has 
that just checks all the boxes as far as production quality is important. I don't want to undersell what that still brings to the table. You just have to be aware of the context of how you're using it and what it is you're trying to do with it. Yeah, great point. And then you you know you you talked earlier. I think if you're you have to educate, entertain, and then mm-hmm. what I really want to talk to you about, especially your audience of moms, is how do you inspire in your in your content? How do you inspire the mom to to bring you know their child to your business to to learn? So how do you do that? Like as a marketing department, what are you guys brainstorming and kicking around to say? How do we get in the mind mm-hmm. of the forty five year old mom? How do we how do we do that? So the nice part is with the technology we have at our disposal now, we can kind of go out there and see what they're asking. We can go to Google and say, what are people in this demographic searching for? What What are the hot topics that are out there? And that could be different than what was hot three months ago. Right now it could be you know, privacy on the internet may be something that's important to them. So is there something that we could put out there Uh, that would help educate, but also help position ourselves as a thought leader in the community when it comes to science, technology, and nature. So those are the types of opportunities we look for. And then obviously, how does it affect their children, right? Um, How do you get your child to see themselves as an engineer in the future and not just some person in a white lab coat wearing glasses with a pocket protector? You know, that's that's still, even in 2018, a big mindset we're overcoming is to show more minorities, more women in these fields. We even started an entire program called Girls in STEM. So that way we bring in female leaders in the community that are in these positions to show kids. And that's sometimes more powerful than anything you can tell them is for them to see somebody that looks like them in a position of being a chemist, a physicist, uh, you know, a biomedical researcher, you never know where that spark could lead. We actually had somebody after we ran Body Worlds, a lot of people are familiar with that when we first brought it in uh, almost 10 years ago. And there was a young girl who came in and saw that exhibit. And now 10 years later came back and said, I was so inspired by seeing that exhibit that I went into that field. I actually now go to Uh, Germany and work with that organization to help create these plastinates so that medical students can learn on a a real human being instead of an image. So to see how we actually are making an impact in what people can uh, envision themselves being in the future is incredible. Wow. That's amazing. So, um, Adam, what, where's, where's some of the pain, um, in, in marketing for you guys, uh, I always like to ask that question. Mm-hmm. We have different uh, marketing thought leaders in here. Is, you know, we know kind of we know what's changing, what's evolving. We know how to stay right. relevant. We know how to create engaging content. Always thinking forward. But where's the pain? Like, wh- what's what's where are you guys struggling in marketing? So I thought this was just specific to us as a nonprofit. But in going to a number of different digital conventions and, and group meetings, I'm finding that we're not unique in our biggest pain point is just the sheer volume of options that are at our disposal today. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out what's new, what's next. And sometimes you can have uh, decision paralysis or you just simply try to do all the things and that doesn't work. Um, 
So even I believe if you are, I've seen it and I've spoken to some friends that are in larger organizations that have a person that literally, you know, is assigned to every different type of media outlet. There's still that risk of just doing too much. Um, So what we've been trying to do is say, okay, what can we narrow down that we know works and do that really well? Um, And maybe it is you're not doing Pinterest or you're not doing Snapchat or you're not doing another type of traditional media or even just a type of campaign. Uh, In working at a place like Discovery Place, there's no shortage of creative ideas. We kind of, that's another pain point we have is that we uh, can chase the new shiny thing because everybody is a creative there and they have all these great big ideas. And sometimes it's sitting down at a table and saying, okay, of these five great ideas, which one do we really have the time and bandwidth to pull off and do well? That's an excellent point. So in measuring metrics, Mm -hmm. because I know you're a metrics guy. Yes. Um, Tell, what tools are you using? Are you using, mm-hmm. and what are you really? What are the numbers that really count? What are you, what are your key performance indicators that you're really focusing on each and every day? Yeah, no, that's something I've found out in myself the last few years. Is I feel very strongly in following your passion, and I found that I never was a math guy. I mean, actually, uh, my wife now, who uh, I met in high school, my high school sweetheart. Uh, we had physics and, uh, what was it, algebra, calculus? I don't even remember what the class was because I just didn't enjoy it. I was the guy who always wanted to do it a different way than what the teacher said. And what I found was I really liked digging into the numbers and asking questions that perhaps nobody else had asked. And what I found my key metrics were are what's the experience? What are we seeing customers doing? Um, so instead of just stopping and saying, okay, we have this many people coming to our birthday party page. This is how many people are filling out the form. This is how many people are booking. What is that process? What's happening in our call center? Uh, what are, how are they interacting with the customer? What is the customer asking? We found things like, uh, here's a good example. I, I looked at the data and saw that every person who requested a birthday party was the mom. Or the grandmother, all female. Not a single dad had actually filled out one of those forms. I mean, I, I'm probably guilty of this. Like, we're there to help and as much as possible, but it's typically the mom who's filling that out. And so then we can go back to our digital agency and say, stop all the ads that are being pushed out to men um, so that we can really target who we know our core audience is. Um, and then what things can we do that moms would be appreciative of, right? What are they looking for in that experience? So one of the big selling points we now push is how easy the setup and cleanup is, you know, instead of having it at your house in the backyard, you come here, we're going to put it all on for you. The kids have a great time and then you don't have to get stuck cleaning everything up. Um, and you can still feel good again about bringing them here. They're going to learn, they're going to have a good time. Um, they're not going to feel, uh, overwhelmed by everything going on. You know, we just had a birthday party with my kids at a Chuck E. Cheese's and it's like you come out with PTSD. Um, (laughs) So that's, that's really what I look for is at the end of the day, what are we trying to accomplish? So Adam, uh, I always like to ask this 
especially for different size organizations we have in here. But talk to me about when you partner up with outside firms. Like you just mentioned, you have a digital agency. Mm-hmm. You have a seven-person in-house marketing department, and you report to a CMO. How many other partners do you work with and what areas of marketing? Great question. So we have to decide what we want to be experts at. And digital is becoming one of those areas that you have to have an incredibly large team to pull it off well, uh, because there's now so many different aspects of expertise. Um, I believe a previous podcast you guys just did with Mark spoke to that as well, that your partners really have to, you, you bring them on board because they bring the expertise you know you don't have or don't have the ability to invest in. So digital is a big piece for us. In fact, we used to do it all in-house and we kept growing our campaigns and growing our campaigns. And it just got to this place where we said, well, we can either have our employee focused on building out all of these Google ads, or we can have that person focus on content, which is so much more difficult to outsource. So what we, the way we look at it is what would be the hardest thing to bring in a partner to do? And typically that's content. Uh, we know our brand the best. We know our customers the best. So we're really shifting and saying, what type of work do we want to outsource? So sometimes that's graphic design when our in-house designer simply just has too much on his plate. Um, we outsource video production when we know, because we have, we made an investment into some DSLRs and some rigs, but we also know that simply the time and editing all of that uh, and the, the post-process is not something we want to become experts in or spend our time on. So we outsource that as well. Um, And we're constantly looking for different ways to say, okay, is this a place where a partner would really bring something to the table that we could be lacking? You know, sometimes that's one of the challenges is just being humble enough to say, okay, this is something I know enough to know I don't know at all. And I need somebody who's an expert. Awesome. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you spending time with us today and learning more about you and your business. Best way for someone to reach you? I would say through LinkedIn is a great way uh, or email, constantly behind a computer. So yeah, reach out. I'm always looking to expand my network.